Once again, I'm recording an episode in response to something that Simon Sinek said. I feel like I'm playing Simon Said. In a LinkedIn post, he wrote, We don't trust people to follow the rules. We trust people to know when to break them. Now, I understand the need to be provocative and contrarian, but is this statement true? Is that how we should decide who we trust and who we don't trust? In this episode, I will break down the relationship between trust and following or breaking rules. I will also broaden the scope of the discussion and bring in ethics and morals as well. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? So let's start with what he said. He said, we don't trust people to follow the rules. We trust people to know when to break them. Wait, what? We don't trust people to follow the rules. Why? Isn't that the definition of anarchy? I actually looked up uh, dictionary definitions and I found that anarchy is defined as a state of society without government or law and the lack of obedience to an authority. And we can assume that laws or rules are the authority and you just don't abide, don't feel that you abide by them or, or need to abide by them. You feel that you can break the law as long as you know when to break it. That is the definition of anarchy. Let me ask you a question. When you break the rules, are you willing to accept the consequences? Now, in some cases, uh, you know, the consequences might be mild. And I'll talk about that a little later. But when you say that you're going to break the law or break rules and, and it's okay to break rules, the question is, are you just saying I'm going to break it and hopefully I'm not going to get caught? I'm not ready to uh, uh, assume the consequences or, or to accept the consequences. But are you breaking them knowing that you will? Will accept the consequences? You know, blame it on my law degree. I have a law degree, and I re really do believe that generally we should trust people who follow the rules, who follow the law. What, what the law provides us, what rules provide us, they provide predictability. You know how other people will behave. You know how the government will behave. It's a pretty low bar, by the way, because not everything should be at that level. And, and I'll talk about that a little later in this episode. But the law protects us from each other. You know, the fact that uh, somebody cannot kill me. You know, if you, if you watch Westerns or, or, you know, go back in time, you can kill somebody and uh, there are no consequences because really there's no law that says you can't kill anybody. The law does provide a protection from each other. The law protects us from the government, from irrational uh, acts of the government. Of the the arbitrary actions of the government but but let me turn it around are you okay with other people breaking the law in a way that hurts you 
because the law provides predictability and protects you from me and protects the government. But he does that for you, not, not only for me. Oh, by the way, are you okay with the government breaking the law? Are you okay with the company that you work for breaking the law and maybe discriminating against you? Maybe doing other things to you that uh, are illegal? Uh, you know, uh, leaking your personal information, leaking your medical records. We have HIPAA, but hey, we can break the law. We trust people to know when to break the law. So, so you can decide when you break the law and you break HIPAA or, or anything else. What happens when, when we don't follow the rules? If you watch the movie A Few Good Men, there, there's a part where uh, Colonel Jessup, uh, played by uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, in the trial, I mean, the, almost the entire movie happens in a courtroom. He says uh, to uh, the, the defense attorney, he says, son, we follow orders or people die. You know what? Think about the military. Can you take the laws to your own hands? Um, can can every soldier in an infantry unit, and I served in an infantry unit, can, can I decide when I follow orders and when I don't? Can I decide that, uh, you know, I know enough uh, to, to break the, this order and, and not to follow this order? Because I'll tell you what, my brothers will die. Uh, I... I there is a reason why I follow those rules, those laws, those orders. So that's not going to work in the military. How about air traffic controller? How about if a pilot says, you know, these, this air traffic controllers, they, they don't know what they're talking about. I know that, that I can deviate from the path that they put me on. You know what the, the purpose of air traffic controller is? It's really to avoid accidents. This is it, to... to create a distance between different airplanes so that they don't just crash into each other. So if they gave me the, if they told me that I can fly in 38,000 feet, can I decide that I'm going to fly at 37,000? Because, you know, the air traffic controller doesn't know what he's saying or she. That's not going to work. There are consequences for not following the rules. So I'll, I'll go back to the, the statement that uh, Sinek said, the, the second half. We trust people to know when to break them, that those are the rules. Do I really know why the rule is there? Do you know why the rule is there? Th there is a quote that uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, this was one of the favorite saying. It's a quote from uh, a 1929 book called The Thing by J.K. Uh, Chesterton that says, do not remove a fence until you know why it was put there in the first place. Th this is something, by the way, that's great when, when you take on a new role, especially a leadership role, and the first thing that comes to mind, the first 90 days is you're going to start taking down walls and, and change how things are. Don't do that. Do you really know why the rule is there? I remember from law school that... Uh, Part of uh, our research in, in any case would be to go back to the documentation of the deliberation when a law was created, just to understand the logic, the rationale behind it. By the way, do you know what the consequences are of breaking that fence or, or breaking that rule? Uh, 
you may not know what the consequences are. You may think that you know, you may know what the consequences are to you, but you may not know what the consequences are to me or to others. You don't know everybody and you don't know everything. The, the next question is, can you decide unilaterally that you're not going to follow rules? Here's the problem. There's a problem of fairness. Remember, this is in a podcast about trust, and fairness is one of the three main components of trustworthiness. We need to keep things fair. What happens when you break the rules and it hurts me? You break the rule and I don't. So, for example, uh, you decide that the uh, speed limit out, outside here, 40 miles per hour, that doesn't make any sense. 60 miles an hour is is safe enough. By the way, you don't know that because you don't know this area well enough. You don't know why it was set as 40 miles per hour. So you're going to decide that you're going to drive 60 miles per hour. I, on the other hand, will follow the rule, which, you know, based on uh, Simon Sinek, I should not be trusted and you should be trusted. You put me in a disadvantage. You're going to get anywhere faster than me because I follow the rule and you don't. And is, is that okay? Because that's that's the element of fairness. And you know what? I'm not going to trust you. What if you can afford the consequences of breaking a rule or breaking the law and I cannot? You know, I, I used speed limit as an example. So you drive 60 instead of 40. What What's the maximum that's going to happen? I think that within 20 miles per hour, the uh, fine is going to be, what, $250? To you, $250 is nothing. To me, I work really hard for every dollar. $250 is a lot of money. So I can't afford the consequences of breaking the law. You're okay with it. To you, it's just the cost of doing business. You're going to drive faster, and you know it's going to cost you $250, and you can afford it. Once again, it's a matter of fairness. It's a matter of lack of symmetry. What would be a good reason to break the law or to break the rules? Is it because they don't suit me? And are you okay if I break the law in a way that that will disadvantage you? Because really the reason I'm breaking it is because it doesn't suit me. How about breaking laws that protect people who cannot protect themselves? Maybe they're disabled. Maybe they're minorities and they just can't protect themselves because of their numbers. They're fewer numbers. Is it okay to break that? Because it's good for the majority. So now it's beyond it doesn't suit me. I know that it's best It's best for the majority. It's just not best for everyone. Is it okay? Should you trust me then? What if the law is not good for anyone? What if theoretically, hypothetically... Ideally, will never happen in reality, you actually do know when you can break the law or break the rules. Should you break it then? Now, I'm, I'm going to bring a counter-argument to, uh, to my own argument, which is you shouldn't break the law. And that is Nazi Germany and, and other places where genocide took place, uh, where soldiers followed orders that would, were obviously unlawful. That would be a good reason. But let me ask you just one question. How do you know? How do you know that that's the case? 
That's what bothers me. I told you at the beginning that I'm going to bring in things beyond rules because I'm interested in the discussion and not just uh, what Simon said. Uh, what if there are no rules? Uh, no rules prohibiting you from doing something. So uh, let, let me set this up. First of all, let's assume, I want you to imagine this, this range of actions where at the bottom are the worst possible actions you can take or the worst things that you can say. Let, let's take actions at this time. And at the top are the best, the ideal things, the, the most unselfish things that you can do on the top. Somewhere, maybe one third from the bottom is where the legal bar is. This is where the laws are. And uh, take about a third from the top, two thirds from the bottom, is where the ethical bar is. Now, when I say ethical bar, I don't mean code of ethics. Many organizations and companies have something that's called code of ethics. I look at a code of ethics as law, as rules. And the way I make this distinction is whether the consequences are intrinsic or extrinsic, whether they're natural or artificial. So, for example, when you break the law or a code of ethics for an organization, there is an artificial consequence that results from it. So you're going to be removed from the organization. You're going to be incarcerated. You're going to have to pay a fine or, or what have you. You're going to have to be put to death in some places for some uh, criminal activities. So there are extrinsic laws. Are The law, legal bar is extrinsic and there are artificial consequences. That are not natural. Uh, ethical bar is more intrinsic. It's, it comes from you, and the consequences are natural consequences. This is what happens if, if you do this. Uh, it's just natural, and this is what you have to live with. Now, what do we call the things in between? Something that's below the ethical bar, but above the legal bar. You know, it's, you, know you shouldn't do it, but it's not illegal. Hey, so... Why not, right? It's, it's the gray area, right? But it's still things that you know you shouldn't do. What does the government do when we operate a lot in this gray area? The government raises the legal bar. So what wasn't illegal before, it was just inappropriate, we shouldn't have done that is now illegal. And I know I'm going to dedicate a, a whole episode to gun laws without taking a position one way or another, but just in the context of trust and, and uh, laws in general. But take, for example, what happened in Vegas when a guy that killed, uh, I don't remember, 85, I think, people and uh, hurting a lot of people, uh, not killing them necessarily, but... Uh, used an automatic rifle. It was a machine gun. That's why so many people were killed. And the thing is, it was actually legal. And the reason it was legal was because of the definition of what a machine gun is and how bump stocks that he used were actually not exactly what the law defined as a machine gun. And therefore, he shot full automatic and it was legal. That, but But you know that that's not what you were supposed to do, right? So what does the government do? The government raises the bar. What did the government do? They banned bump stocks. By the way, don't get me started because now there's a new thing that came up uh, to replace them. 
creating a machine gun without breaking the law and the definition uh, of a machine gun as it stands today. But there are consequences for the government raising the legal bar. And the consequences are that we now stop even checking ourselves, checking our morals and our ethics. We just relegate our behaviors to what's legal and what's illegal. And the higher the legal bar is, the more we're going to do that. If it's not illegal, we're going to trust the government to assume, to, to create laws that would prevent us from behaving in a way we shouldn't behave. And by that, we assume that if there is no law and the government did, didn't say that you should not do this, then you should. There's another thing, another consequence for that, and that is that we start rationalizing breaking the laws, breaking the rules. The higher the bar is, the legal bar is, the, the more restrictive rules are, the more we start thinking like Simon Sinek, and that is that we trust those who break, the, who know when to break the law. So all of a sudden, this is something that we rationalize. And I use the example of the speed limit. I'll use that again. You know, I'm not going to see you, and, and hopefully nobody else sees how you answer this question, but have you ever driven faster than the speed limit? Not, not unintentionally, intentionally. You knew that you were in a hurry and, and you just drove faster than the speed limit. Have you ever done that? You know you have, right? So you just rationalized breaking the law because the law didn't make sense to you. What should we do instead? Well, I would say the first thing we do is we stop behaving only above the legal bar, and we start behave, behaving above the ethical bar. And, and I'll bring that to trust in, in a minute. That's the first thing. The, the first thing is that we don't behave in between the legal bar and the ethical bar because we don't want to, because we shouldn't. We know that we shouldn't, and therefore we don't behave in that area, in that gray area. We behave only above the ethical bar. Now, once we get there, then we can maybe take the more advanced approach. Maybe, God forbid, we actually raise our ethical bars. We raise our morals. We raise our behaviors. And we still continue to behave above them. So ask me, what does that have to do with trust? Go, go ahead, ask me. Yeah, what does that have to do with trust? Thank you for asking. That's that's a great question. Well, you you may not remember that, but in my six component trustworthiness model, there are three components in the who you are and three components on the what you do during an interaction. Let's look at the three components of the who you are: competence, personality compatibility, and symmetry that that includes fairness. And I talked about fairness before. I'm not going to touch competence here because breaking the laws, I'm, I'm not breaking rules. I'm not sure how related that is to competence and how I can tie this. But in my own surveys, what I found was that the highest correlation of any component to trustworthiness was shared values, which is a major part of personality compatibility. The fact that we share values has an 86% correlation to how much I trust you or how much you trust me. It, again, depends on the perspective. So, 
as long as we behave above the ethical bar, and now the question is whose ethical bar? So as long as you behave above my ethical bar, I will trust you. As long as I behave, behave above your ethical bar, you will trust me. If your ethical bar is higher than mine for the same thing, then there is a likelihood that uh, I will trust you more than you trust me because I behave below your ethical bar because it's still above my ethical bar, assuming again that I do behave above the ethical bar. And again, I would argue that that really what we do is we lower our ethical bar uh, to the point of our behavior is we consider it ethical, except that it really is not uh, or should not be. And again, the, the last component is the fairness and symmetry. And I already mentioned that when you break the law in a way that disadvantages me, I don't feel that it's fair. And my research again showed a strong correlation between fairness or the way that I feel that we're that you treat me fairly or in this case that your behavior causes me to feel that I'm treated fairly is um, has a big impact on whether I trust you or not. Let me summarize this episode. If the rule is not good for you, don't just break it. Just know, first of all, know why it's there. What was the purpose? Know what the effect is on other people. Now, if you reach the conclusion and you that you really, really know, and, and be careful because you don't know everything, but you reach the, the decision that uh, this rule is not good for anyone, and not just not good for the majority, not good for anyone, don't just break it. Do something about it. Change it. How do you change it? Who creates the rules? Whoever creates the the rules, lobby with them, ask them, talk to them. Those are your legislators. Those are the people that you send to your state government or to your federal government, to Washington. Talk to them, write to them, get other people to talk to them and write to them. If you don't, if you they still don't change it, replace them. They are there as as a result of getting elected. Don't vote for them. Vote for their opponents. What if there is no good opponent? Run for office. I've done it. You can do it. Run for office. Change the rules. Don't break the rules. Change the rules if they don't make any sense. And finally, where there are no rules, operate above the ethical bar. This has big impact on personality compatibility, on shared values, fairness, and symmetry. And as a result, because those are main components of trustworthiness, on the trust that on how much I trust you. You know, I just want to say one one last thing before I wrap this up. There is always the probability that I really didn't understand what Simon Sinek meant to say in that saying that he did. However, I still think it was a good discussion. Thank you for listening. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it, write a review for this podcast, 
because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops at yoramsolomon.com workshops, online courses at trustedatwork.com, find my books on Amazon, or go to my website, yoramsolomon.com. And remember one thing, the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.